Well, for us as a family, it's been quite a significant weekend. And there is a prophet in town at the moment. His name is David Demian. And he arrived on Friday, Friday morning. And when he got off the plane, he asked the person hosting him to please contact us as a family because he would like to meet with us. And uh, you know when the prophet wants to meet with you. <laughs> you must be very careful. And uh, I, I was quite intrigued. I was quite intrigued by it. And uh, we set up for yesterday afternoon and he came and he met with us. And he began to just say to us that, you know, that God had spoken to him and that he, he needed to do this. And all he did was to come and show honor. How do you respond? He said, I need to come and show honor. I want to come and show honor. I'm here to show honor today. And here's this man, an Egyptian-born man of Canadian nationality, flying literally to the opposite side of the world, both this way and that way, to show honor. And I'm humbled that that man would be about the business of the kingdom and that his obligations came second to the business of the kingdom, to being about his father's business. And in truth, I think that's something for all of us, that the business of the kingdom must come first. Thereafter, everything else. Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 to 33. It's a very well-known passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 6 verses 31 to 33. Jesus is speaking and he says these words. He says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But, it's a joining word. But, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. It's, it's a beautiful scripture. And it speaks so much of where our passions should be. And I believe Jesus spoke these words to his followers on that occasion. But that they have bearing on you and I today. And I believe he is speaking into aspects of our desires and our pursuits and the real things that we should be concerned about. And I believe this message still rings clear today. 
And he speaks this message in the, the middle of an aspect of addressing worries and fears and cares. And he addresses this aspect in the middle of this strange dynamic. And I suppose the reason is because the people of the day were consumed with worries and fears. And, and uh, if I look at myself, nothing has changed. And I believe God gives us a bit of an alternative, and he, he gives us a strategy here for our own lives. And the first thing I wanted to focus on is this aspect of worry and fear. And uh, I believe worry and fear is part of the human dynamic. It's part of the way we are made up. There's this aspect of worrying and fear. And I think as we look at what was going on in this particular story when Jesus was speaking and he was telling the, the listeners or the followers that they should not worry. He was addressing something that he knew to be something that we contend with. He was addressing this. And I believe we're all exposed to it. I mean, if I watched what was going on in the news this week, I got a little bit anxious. And I'm so glad that the one university that was praying was the one in the capital. <laughs> because as the capital goes, so goes the nation. What a wonderful opportunity that there could have been an example set from the capital. But you see, there's plenty of reason. And if we're not alert, worry and fear can take root in our hearts. It might be worry and fear regarding the country. It might be worrying and fear regarding your health. It might be worrying and fear regarding your family or your relationships or a host of different things. And when that worry comes in, it erodes our faith. It undermines our confidence in God. And that's the thing we have to be careful of. You see, the end of the day is that worry and fear is uncalled for, it's undesirable, it's unproductive, and it's out of character with the child of God. We live in a different realm and we are, we're meant to trust God with abandon. And so I believe if we, if we are going to see the kingdom, God's kingdom come in our lives, in our situation, we need to deal with this and recognize that God reigns, that he is supreme and he has the final say over all matters. The second thing is that I see Jesus beginning to explain to these disciples that you can turn this aspect into something useful. You see, I believe when we worry and fear, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of energy from us. And I believe that here Jesus is giving us an alternative. He's saying, I know that you have this aspect in your life. I know that you have these emotions, these, these things you're grappling with. Now let me tell you how to harness them. He's saying... He first emphasizes the fact that it is pagan to do it, to worry. So he, he deals harshly with it. And then he says, but. He uses this, 
this word. And I believe there's this natural human tendency to, to, to allow worry and fear, but we can take all of that energy, all of that emotion, and we can redirect it. And we can redirect it into the business of the king. It's, it's funny how we do worry and, and, and be concerned about things. And, you know, when I was a young person, I used to go out on the weekends. And now that I'm older, I don't go out on the weekends. But uh, we'll get back to that once the children are out the house. Eh? But anyway, we, I used to go out on the weekends and come home late. And my mom and dad would be waiting. And uh, I'd lock up the house as I came through and go to their bedroom and tell them about what had happened that evening. And then inevitably, my mother would raise a concern. And she would say, did you lock the door on your way in? And I would then doubt. I would wonder, now, did I? But I've always been a very conscientious chap. And I would always do it. But I would doubt. And I would say, yes, I did, but I will go and check. <laughs> and one day my father spoke up and he said to me, if you locked it, you locked it. Have confidence in yourself. And sometimes we like that. We need, we need to take all of that doubt and that hesitation and all this, this energy we're putting into the worrying and the fear, and we need to do something useful with it. And some people are just happy-go-lucky, and they seem to just sail through life. Others are anxious and concerned and overly so. But I think for each one of us, there is this aspect that we are worried about or this concern that we have. And here Jesus is saying, but you can redirect this. You can allow all of this, if redirected, to work to your advantage and to my advantage and to the kingdom's advantage. And so the question is, how can... We redirect this, this common human characteristic into something useful. And I believe that this scripture gives us a clue, gives us an indication of how we can do this. And the, the, the thing is that we can seek his kingdom. We should redirect all of this to seeking his kingdom. And as we face that onslaught of fear and worry and concern, we should convert all of that energy, all that negativity, into something different. And the something else that Jesus recommends is that we would plow all of this into something completely different, and that is seeking his kingdom first. It calls for a, a different perspective. Because if you are concerned about something and you could in that moment say, God, how can I seek your kingdom first in this situation? Immediately everything changes. Because you look at the problem differently. You look at the situation differently. And I believe that this seeking of his kingdom is a vital aspect. And I believe the first aspect is that we would know his kingdom for ourselves personally. 
That's, I believe, what he wants us. And it says in verse 33, it says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. The key word is, but seek. Now, when I was at school, I was told you never start a sentence with but. But Jesus can do as he likes. <laughs> Stop worrying and but seek my kingdom. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And I believe that God wants us to discover this aspect of his kingdom for ourselves. That we would know it as a personal reality. This, the keys of the kingdom, reminds me of perhaps an old palace in England somewhere. And somebody, you know, gives you the keys and says, go and explore this palace. And you can go and experience what a kingdom must have been like. But this kingdom is a living kingdom that we can experience for ourselves, something that we can unlock for ourselves. And I believe that God wants to authorize us to step into his kingdom, to put aside the worries and fear and to step into his kingdom. The second aspect I see is that he wants us to enjoy the benefits of the kingdom. He wants us to enjoy those benefits. With the kingdom comes joy and peace. And I believe he wants us to enjoy and participate in that. And then thirdly, I see that in the outflow, he wants us to become agents to expand his kingdom. That his kingdom would grow and be extended. That every waking moment would be used for this purpose. And that all the time and energy given to worry and fear would be redirected into achieving his plans, his purposes, and his kingdom. I see that his kingdom should be our first priority. It says there, but seek you first. The first word I think has bearing here is this word seek. It says, but we've dealt with that. Seek. Seek. Now seek is a, is a verb. It's a doing word. It means more than general interest. It means to actively pursue. When I went and looked up the original meaning of the word seek, it means to search for, desire, require, and demand it. That's what the word seek indicates. So there is this active passion, this active pursuit. And it's much like an investigator who's working on a crime scene and he doesn't stop until he has solved it. That's how we should be with the things of God. And I believe we've got to seek until we find. Not seek, give up, and then try again. But we must seek until we find. And I believe it calls for a determined heart, and it, it calls for a quality choice in our lives. And I believe when we seek the things of God as a priority, things can change. The second word that I want to focus on under this phrase. The first was seek. The second word is first. I believe the word first has bearing here as well. And first means first. It means first place. It means first priority. In fact, I believe it should be our only priority. And everything else should be 
in second place. And before anything else gets our attention or our emotions, his kingdom should. And often in life, everything else is demanding our attention and the kingdom and the business of God is left to second or heaven forbid, ninth or tenth. And I believe we've got to, we've got to make that choice in our minds. Now, I wonder, have any of you ever had bad toothache? Ah, the rest of you all brushed your teeth. Eh? But I mean, there is something about toothache that changes your priorities. There's something about toothache that will inspire you to get help. There's just something about it. I remember years ago, I was battling uh, with, I can't remember exactly what it was, but the dentist was a friend of my father's. He lived down the road. And I was battling, and he came, I phoned him, and we were, oh, I was really battling. And I, nothing else really mattered except solving the toothache. And he said, well, I can't help you now, but if you come down to my house, I'll give you an injection. You know the injection you normally get when they're going to work on your teeth. And I said to him, it sounds like the sweetest thing. <laughs> and I got down to his house and he gave me an injection. And by the time I left the house, I was feeling fantastic. And I was, ah, I was so thankful I'd gone to his house. And I went home and got on with the things that I needed to do and those things that I was interested in. And about four hours later, I felt zing, zing. <laughs> Wasn't that funny? <laughs> About five hours later, Dr. von Rensburg, back to his house. Another injection. Oh, feeling so fantastic, you know. And then we arranged one so that I could have it just before I went to sleep, you know. But there was like this kind of impetus where nothing else mattered except getting this matter addressed. The other day, my daughter was battling with her health, and we went to the doctor, and I, I said to the doctor, now she'd been battling for several weeks, I said to the doctor, isn't it perhaps her appendix? And the doctor smiled, and he said, no, an appendix has its own way of getting you to the hospital. <laughs> and you know what? Those might be negative connotations, but there is something about the kingdom that should allow everything else to take a back seat until we've got that thing solved. I've seen people who've battled with their health, how they will seek out medical help because they've got this burning issue. And if we can have the burning issue of the kingdom of God, the business of God in our hearts, that everything else takes second place, I believe it's, it's so important. So it's seek, then it's the word first. First on the priority order. First on the order of time. First in the order of focus and attention. That is why we come to church on a Sunday. Because it's first. It's the first day of the week. We put him first. That's why we want to pray first thing in the morning or have our quiet time or read a scripture. Because we want to give him first place in our lives. 
And I've seen people as I've, over my lifetime, I've done many funerals. And one of the things that has amazed me is that oftentimes the decisions of youth carry you through your whole life. And I would often do funerals and, and we would reference the fact that this person gave their lives to God as a young person. I believe that is so important that those things are settled early in life. Don't wait until you have no strength left. Do it now. The last word is the word you. And the English here is a bit strange. But seek you first. But seek ye first. And sometimes we think we'll leave the pursuit of the kingdom of God to perhaps the spiritual ones, like Pixie. <laughs> Sometimes we think we're going to leave the pursuit of God's kingdom to the cell leaders or to the pastors or to the ministers. Or maybe we're going to leave it to our parents to do. Or to our grandparents. After all, my granny is a praying lady. We think we'll leave it to them at no. It says you. Jesus says you must seek first his kingdom. And so I believe this, this is it's such an important matter. It, not, it must become our priority. It cannot be someone else's priority. And I believe we need to pursue his kingdom. Now what is his kingdom? Sometimes it's like a vague, a vague idea. Well, ultimately in, a, in its simplest format... The kingdom is anywhere and everywhere where Jesus is allowed to be king. But as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, Lord, help me to explain to people a little bit better about what is the kingdom. I know it's his kingship, his sovereignty, his authority, his rule in the world, his rule in our hearts. But I found this interesting scripture that helps me understand it. It's in John 15 and verse 15. I'll just read it. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And when we speak about the kingdom, we are speaking about God's business, the business of the master. And that helps me to understand it. So the kingdom is everything to do with the business of heaven. We should get busy with the business of heaven, the business of our master. Jesus understood this at a very young age. I think he was around 12 when he went up to the temple and uh, he got lost. And his mom and dad had to go back looking for him. And uh, eventually they found him, and they, I suppose they were a little bit uh, scratched because, you know, where have you been? And then he said to them, how is it that you sought me? Know you not that I must be about my father's business? See, I think we understand the, 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 the concept of the father's business, maybe a little bit more than the kingdom, but I'm using it as a way of explaining it to you. And I believe as we go out in daily life, we must say, God, how can I be involved in the business of heaven today? I'm thinking about this prophet that's come to the city now. He's flying in the plane, 
He knows he's got his speaking engagement. He knows he's here for a conference. He knows all of that. And yet he's open to God. Is there an aspect of the Father's business that I need to attend to? And then God begins to speak to him and say, There is a family there in Pretoria. And as part of my kingdom, I need you to go to their home and honor them. The agenda, the conference, the speaking engagements, everything is second to the business of God. And I think if we can see it like that, if we can, if we can be more determined that the business of God is going to be our concern, the kingdom of God is going to be our concern, that when we get up in the morning, it can change the way we, we think. Maybe today you're trusting for the Lord to give you a spouse. Well, love the lover of your soul first. Maybe today you're trusting for your own home. Well, love the one who is building you an eternal home in heaven first. And in the Derby Bible translation, speaking about Jesus, he says, I have to be occupied with my father's business. And you see, we are children of God. We need to be occupied with our father's business. And how we live our lives, how we respond to people is all part of the role we can play. The last point is just the promise. The promise that flows out of this way of living is, is quite unparalleled. Let me read it for you. If you've still got your finger in Matthew 6, 33, it says, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, what are these things? The practical aspects of life that they were worrying about, what to eat, what to drink, what to wear, and it says, and all these things, now you must distinguish between things and the royal commission, the, the royal function that we play. And he says, all these things will be added to you. And that's the promise. The promise is that all these things will be added. Now, what others hope to achieve through hard work and chance can be ours because of promise. And we can know that every issue and concern and need will be met by the one who never breaks his promises. The things we need can flow out of the promise that we have. We don't need to look for them. We don't need to pursue them. We don't need to hunt them down. We don't need to earn them. They will simply come to you. That's what the promise is. It says they will be added. Now sometimes we think when we add something, we have to lose something. It doesn't say that. It says it will be added to us. One blessing on top of the other. That's what it means. 
And the blessing and the favor of God coming to you without you needing to worry or concern yourself about it is what you can expect if you will put the kingdom of God first. And the Greek word that's translated shall be added, it's a lot like the English word to hand over. That God will hand it over. Maybe there's some things that need to be handed over to you. And if you will put God's kingdom first, maybe those very things you're trusting for will be handed over to you. And I believe if we are taking care of God's business as our primary concern, He will take care of our business as promised. And so for me, this is an exciting thing that we can pursue His kingdom. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Would you stand with me as I pray for us? And we dedicate ourselves to pursuing his kingdom above all others and that we ask him to help us direct all those concerns and things we have into this wonderful aspect of being about our father's business. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today. We recognize these are the very words of God. Lord, forgive us for sometimes being so consumed with the worries and the cares of life. And Lord, today we see the pattern that you have, you have called us to redirecting all of that energy and effort into your kingdom and the expansion of your kingdom. And so we declare that it is our desire to seek First, your kingdom. That we would be about our Father's business. That every opportunity you give us, we would see as an opportunity for the expansion of your kingdom. That we would be able to redirect those things and focus on your kingdom. And as a result, know this great reward of having everything added. Everything that we may be concerned about or that has plagued us in the past that you would just put one blessing on top of another. We declare we are your children and like Jesus said, he is about his father's business. We want to declare we are about your business and we pray that we will bring you honor and glory in everything we do and say and that our lives will be an example to other Christians and to those who do not yet know you. So I pray your blessing on your people today. I pray that they would be inspired to be agents for your kingdom this week, that they would pursue your kingdom personally in their own lives. And as a result, Lord, that we would hear wonderful testimonies of how you've undertaken in each of our lives. We dedicate ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.